Welcome to Jury Duty. I'm your host, Chris Terracone. Season 8 of Jury Duty explores the trial of Alex Murdoch, a member of one of the most powerful families in South Carolina who is accused of murdering his son Paul and his wife Maggie with the purpose of covering up a myriad of alleged crimes including fraud and homicide. In our last episode, we continued our look at the testimony of SLED digital forensics expert, Lieutenant Britt Dove, as he began his analysis of the data extracted from the defendant's phone. In this installment, we continue our look at the prosecution's direct examination of Lieutenant Dove. That's all coming up, right after the break. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. It is the morning of Wednesday, February 1st, 2023. As we concluded our last episode, SLED digital forensics expert Lieutenant Britt Dove testified that there were no steps recorded on the defendant's phone on the night of the murders, June 7th, 2021. Between 8.09 p.m. and 9.02 p.m., Lieutenant Dove had earlier testified that at 8.54 p.m. on that same night, Maggie Murdoch's phone was manipulated and the camera on that phone did not recognize the face of the user, and that during that exact period of time, Maggie's phone recorded 59 steps. We begin today with Prosecutor Conrad continuing his questioning of Lieutenant Dove about his analysis of data from Alex Murdoch's phone, specifically the data log from that phone. All right, and I've previously entered State's Exhibit 289, which was the timeline for Alex's phone, correct? Yes, sir, correct. And, and let's talk about this timeline a, a little bit. What kind of information is found in this timeline on Alex's phone? On this phone, it captured things like incoming text messages to show a log entry for it. It shows there's a log entry for images, um, steps. It's a little bit different the way Celebrite does steps versus Axiom, so it's a little bit different look to it. It also has text messages on here as they came in and a few more log entries to show that text messages and that phone calls were being made and recorded in the log. Do you see any orientation changes like we talked about on Maggie's phone in that report? And would it included if there were? Usually you don't see it in a timeline report like this, you would find it in the device events report. We would pull it separate. In your analysis, you've looked at the device events report, correct? Yes, sir, I have. Right. And during that same time frame, do you, do you see any uh, orientation movement uh, or anything to suggest the phone's being handled, or does that data exist? Which time frame exactly? Uh, the, the device events, did you find data from the night of the murder on Alex's phone? Earlier in the evening, I did. Um, but there was a gap in time where I did not see it. Okay. Um, well, we talked about some of these databases kind of going away after a certain period of time, correct? Yes, sir. You don't know the exact time for every single database, correct? Correct. But generally speaking, uh, most of these databases, these SQLite databases, mm -hmm. how quickly do they turn over? They can go from two days to 
two weeks to 45 days. It just depends. And so uh, when you performed your analysis on this phone, it was in September 2021, correct? Yes, sir. Some of that information that was, that's contained in those SQLite databases, would you expect to find it, uh, some of that data in September that had been re originally reported in June of 2021? No, sir. And if it showed anything, it wouldn't be accurate information. It would be remnants of it. Uh, because a lot of those databases overturned in a far shorter period of time between June and September, correct? Yes, sir, correct. And so to sum up, Alex's phone, because you didn't analyze it until September, just simply doesn't contain as detailed data uh, that you found on Maggie's phone, for example. Correct, for that time frame of June. Okay, and I'm going to show you, this is Exhibit 289, and this is under seal. We see lines 157, 158 in this report, correct? Yes, sir, I do. And, uh, what is line 157 associated with? Line 157 is associated with a text message. All right, and that's the text message we just talked about uh, in Alex's uh, text message report, correct? Yes, sir, it shows as an incoming text message. And I believe you just testified that that text wasn't read until the next day, correct? Yes, sir. Uh, and there was a second text at, and this is line 159, and there was a second text that you've already testified about. And what time was this text? It shows that it was June 7th, 2021 at 8.31.47 p.m. And again, according to the text message report, when was this text read? The next day, on June 8th, 2021. All right, you just testified about the steps. What time did Alex's phone start moving after that gap between 8.05 and 9.02? It started moving at 9.02 after there was that gap before, but it started at 9.02 recording steps again. And uh, those texts were not read at that time, correct? Correct. And uh, we looked at a couple earlier texts in that thread, correct? Yes, sir, correct. Uh, and those texts have been read within 20 minutes, correct? Yes, sir, approximately. Um, and in your analysis investigation, did you review other texts uh, that might or might not be in that report that's in evidence to review Alex's habit of when he read texts? Yes, sir, I reviewed other texts. All right, from the day of the murder? Uh, from that day and previous days and days after. Just in your general review, and I'm sure there's outliers, but what is Alex's general habit when he reads text? Usually it could vary from anywhere from reading it within five minutes to 30 minutes, maybe 40 minutes, just depending. But it was generally within an hour's time it appeared that the texts were read. And like I said, there's probably outliers, correct? Yes, sir. But this particular thread we've been talking about with the group family thread, what was the topic they were talking about? It was about his father being in the hospital. And those texts weren't read till the next day, correct? Correct. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Prosecutor Conrad next moves on to ask Lieutenant Dove about data extracted from Paul Murdoch's phone. I am going to show you what's been marked for ID purposes. Two seven, uh, item 274. Can you recognize that item, sir? Yes, sir, I do. Okay. What is that item? This is an Apple iPhone. 
that we received um, once the analysis was done. It has the account of Paul Murdoch. And when did you originally get that item? It was August 13th, 2021. And to the best of your recollection, where had the phone been uh, previous to you? Previous to us, it was located in Charleston County in their evidence area. Right. And that was uh, Paul McManigal, correct? Yes, sir. It has his sticker on there that it was in his possession. And to your knowledge, did he uh, was he able to access uh, Paul's phone? Not that I'm aware of. Um, I believe he might have gotten a little just surface information from it, but to my knowledge, he was not able to access it due to the passcode. All right. The phone was locked, correct? Yes, sir. And when you got it in August of thir or 21, excuse me, um, was the phone still locked? Yes, sir, it was. And in August of 2021, did you have any tools available at SLED that would help you unlock that phone? At that time, no, sir, it would not support that model and that iOS that was running on the system. And these uh, companies that develop software to access these phones, uh, that software is continuously updated, correct? Yes, sir. And that software isn't free, correct? Correct. It's sort of like a game, isn't it? These companies discover an exploit on these phones that allow them to access it, correct? Yes, sir. And then Apple uh, produces a software update that fixes that exploit, correct? Correct. And so it's kind of a continuous cycle, being able to access these phones and not, correct? Yes, sir, correct. But in August of 2021, you did not have the ability to access Paul's phone, correct? No, sir, I did not. All right. Let's fast forward to March of 2022. Did it come to your attention that a uh, fellow law enforcement agency had recently acquired a tool that could potentially uh, access Paul's phone? Yes, sir. I spoke with John Van Houten of the United States Secret Service. And they believe they had the capabilities for the tools they had to obtain the passcode to this phone. And did you take that phone to Mr. Van Allen? Yes, sir, I did. Approximately when was that again? It was in March of 2022. All right. And to your knowledge, was Mr. Van Allen successful in accessing Paul's phone? Yes, sir. I received a phone call from Mr. Van Houten stating he was able to do an extraction on the phone and that we were preparing it to put on an external hard drive for me to bring back into my analysis. And you received a what type of file extraction from Mr. Van Houten? It was a Celebrite file extraction. Do you recall if it was a full file extraction or a physical file extraction or logical? It was a full file system extraction. And when you got that full file system extraction from uh, Mr. Van Houten, what did you do with it? I processed it with Celebrite Physical Analyzer and also verified the information with Axiom by Magnet Forensics. Prosecutor Conrad next moves to have Paul Murdoch's phone admitted into evidence, and Judge Clifton Newman allows the admission without objection. Okay, I'm going to show you what's pre-marked as Exhibit 292, States 292, and you probably need to open a box. You recognize that? Yes, sir, I do. What is that? This is an external hard drive. It's a portable solid-state drive that was provided to me to place the phone reports on for Paul Murdoch's phone. What does it contain? It contains a Celebrite um, report for Paul Murdoch's phone. And that's a full Celebrite report? Yes, sir. Prosecutor Conrad moves to admit the drive containing the full Celebrite report. Defense attorney Dick Harpudlian objects, alleging that the state has not established the drive's chain of custody. However, Judge Newman overrules the objection and admits the drive. Conrad next shows the witness his report, analyzing the phone call data from that drive. After Lieutenant Dove acknowledges that he authored the report, Conrad again moves to have it admitted. The defense again objects, on chain of custody grounds, 
and Judge Newman again admits the evidence over the defense objection with a protective order to protect the phone numbers included in the report. I'm going to direct you to phone calls that uh, occur on the night of June 7th. And let's look at lines 5 and 6. What do you see there? Lines 5 and 6 show a phone call that was received June 7th, 2021 at 8.32.10 p.m. It was rejected. That call was not answered, correct? Correct. It shows it's incoming and rejected. And we see a name. What, what is that name? Um, Robert Boyle. And then line, that's line five, correct? Yes, sir. And what is line six of the name? It says Lucille Boyle. Okay. And uh, we encountered this with Maggie's phone. Uh, that's, we have two different contacts because it's pulling from two different databases, correct? Correct. All right. And those name, that number may be labeled as a different name in two different databases, correct? Correct. Okay. Let's look above that. So lines uh, three and four, what do those lines indicate? Those lines show that the phone had an outgoing call that was placed June 7th, 2021 at 8.40, 20.00 p.m., and it was answered. Uh, and who's the contact uh, name on that outgoing call? Rogan Gibson. And this is Paul's phone, correct? Yes, sir, this is Paul's phone. And this is data that was stored on Paul's phone that you recovered in your investigation, correct? Yes, sir, correct. Uh, and that's an outgoing call with Rogan Gibson? Yes, sir. And how long did that call last? It recorded that call as four minutes and 14 seconds. And we see actually between line three and four, a slight difference in that time. I believe line four says four minutes and 18 seconds. Uh, but your testimony looking at this data, the correct length of the call is what? It's four minutes and 14 seconds. Let's look above that to lines one and two. What do we see there? Lines one and two show an outgoing call on June 7th. 2021 at 8.44.34 p.m. Who is that call to? It, that call shows to Rogan Gibson. And we see a source. Um, what is that source for this call? It is a FaceTime call. And how long did that call last? Approximately 11 seconds. And that was answered, correct? Yes, sir. It shows it's answered. And so if that call started at 8.44.34 and it lasted 11 seconds, when did that call end? It would have ended at 8.44.45. All right, and I see this is record number one, correct? Yes, sir. So this is the most recent call on Paul's phone, correct? Yes, sir. Were there ever any other outgoing calls made from Paul's phone? No, sir, not that I found. Were there ever any other calls that were answered, incoming calls that were answered on Paul's phone? No, sir. Conrad next shows the witness his report analyzing the text message data from that drive. After Lieutenant Dove acknowledges that he authored the report, Conrad again moves to have it admitted, this time without objection. Judge Newman again admits the evidence with a protective order to protect the phone numbers included in the report. Conrad proceeds to ask Lieutenant Dove about entries in the report. Direct your attention to on this report. What does this uh, entry uh, say? It's a text message. That was received on this phone June 7th, 2021 at 8.48.39 p.m. Shows us an incoming text message. All right. And who's it from? It's from Megan Kimbrell. And what does the text message say? It says, don't like watching sad movies. And this was an incoming message to Paul's phone, correct? Yes, sir, correct. Does it indicate that this message was read? Yes, sir. It shows us read June 7th, 2021 at 8.48.59 p.m. And actually, let's look at line four, which was just below line three, excuse me. Can you see line four? Yes, sir, I can. 
Uh, what does this line, uh, this entry indicate? It indicates it's another text message that was received from the same sender, Megan Kimball. Uh, and what does the text message say? It says, no, I need something happy. All right, and this, uh, what's the time on this text? It shows the text is being received June 7th, 2021 at 8.48.29 p.m. What's this text message read? Yes, sir. It shows it's being read June 7th, 2021 at 8.48.59 p.m. Right. And so lines three and four, they were read at the same time, correct? Yes, sir. What time was that again? It was 8.48.59 p.m. On the night of June 7th, correct? Yes, sir, correct. All right, let's take a look at line two. What does this record indicate, sir? This indicates that a text message was received to this phone on June 7th, 2021 at 8.49.35 p.m. This is approximately how many seconds after those texts from Megan Kimball were read? At 8.48.59 p.m. And that text from Rogan arrived at what time? It arrived at 8.49.35 p.m. How many seconds between those two texts arriving on Paul's phone? Approximately 36 seconds. What is this text from Rogan ever read on Paul's phone? No, sir. It shows the status is unread. Ever. So when you got this uh, phone download from Van Outen, that indicated that this text from Rogan was never read, correct? Correct. 849.35. Correct. 36 seconds earlier, there were two texts from Megan Kimball that were read, correct? Correct. By having Lieutenant Dove establish that Paul Murdoch read a text at 848 and 59 seconds on June 7th, 2021, but that he did not read a text that came in just 36 seconds later, Prosecutor Conrad appears to be laying the foundation to argue that Paul was shot shortly after 8.48 p.m. on that night. Conrad continues by asking about one last text received on Paul's phone. You see one final text above that in line one. What does line one indicate, sir? Line one shows that it was an incoming text message from Rogan Gibson on 6-7-2021 at 9.58.35 p.m. What does that text say? Yo, Y-O. Was that text ever read? No, sir. The status is unread. Right, I'm going to dig back into your, your memory from yesterday uh, from Maggie's phone. You recall a text on Maggie's phone uh, that was read at 849.27. Yes, sir. I believe that was a text from Lynn G in the group text there, correct? Correct. All right. Why don't you write that number down, 849.27. And that was a text from Lynn G to the group thread about Randolph's health, that was read at 849.27, correct? Correct. All right, and then we have here, line two, a text from Rogan that was at 849.35, correct? Correct. How much time separates those two texts? Approximately eight seconds. And that text from Rogan was never read, correct? Correct. By recalling Lieutenant Dove's earlier testimony about the last time Maggie Murdoch read a message on her phone, Prosecutor Conrad appears to be honing in on the time of the murders, as shortly after 8.49 and 27 seconds on the evening of June 7, 2021. In your investigation, you look at the status of the phone of when certain things occur, correct? Yes, sir, correct. Things like battery status, correct? Correct. And at the time of these tests, what was Rogan's uh, battery status, do you recall? Rogan's battery, battery status or, or Paul's? Me, I'm sorry, Paul's. Uh, Paul's battery state at that point was approximately 2%. Okay, so that's a low battery state, correct? Yes, sir. 
Um, and what was it when those texts from Megan arrived on his phone? It would have been between 2 and 3%. And in your opinion, is there any way reason that low battery state would have permitted Paul for to read the text from Megan, but not from Rogan 36 seconds later? No, sir. And if he had read that text at 849.35, in your opinion, would the phone have logged that and recorded that event? Yes, sir. It should have recorded it as a red status. And that battery would not have prevented, prevented that phone from recording that text being read, correct? Correct. And in your investigation, we know you just testified Paul's phone was at 2% at approximately 849, correct? Correct. Did your investigation reveal that that phone log when that battery finally died on Paul's phone? Yes, sir. At approximately 10.34 p.m. on June 7th. Which is, roughly speaking, about how long after those texts arrived on Paul's phone? Mm, approximately 39 minutes for the last one. If a phone that is at 2% is used heavily, how long approximately would you expect that phone to last before it dies. If it's being used heavily, text messaging, looking at videos, things of that nature that are going to put more strain on the battery, I would expect it to go to the point of being dead. I would imagine, and just kind of ballparking, because I've done testing on this, but I would say 10 to 15 minutes max. So a matter of minutes, correct? Yes, sir. But that phone sits there, 849, the battery is at 2%, correct? Yes, sir. And the phone dies at what time? At 10.34 p.m. Right. And, and how much time is between? At an hour and 35 minutes. Okay. And I'm going to show you what's been marked as Exhibit 295. Okay. Do you recognize that, sir? Yes, sir. This is a copy of a Celebrite report I prepared for a timeline from Paul Murdoch's phone. And I noticed this, this is quite a bit thicker than some of the other reports that we've been through, correct? Yes, sir. Correct. Why, why would that be? That one also contains location information that was obtained from the cache SQLite database. So there's a lot more data points on Alex's phone, correct? There's a lot more on Paul's phone on the timeline. Paul's phone. Excuse me. Prosecutor Conrad again moves to have this report admitted. The defense again objects on chain of custody grounds, and Judge Newman again admits the evidence over the defense objection, with a protective order to protect the phone numbers included in the report. What time frame again does that report stand? The time frame of this report, I began it at 6 p.m. on June 7th, 2021, and it ran through midnight on June 7th, 2021. Just roughly speaking, if you were to print even two or three days worth of this information on Paul's phone, how many pages would you rough, expect that report to be? Several thousands of pages. Right. And so this is just a couple of hours. Yes, sir. Right. And I'm just going to pull some examples here. And I'm looking at lines 325 through 329. What's the date range that you see there? Beginning with 325, it's June 7th, 2021, 644-47 p.m. Going to line 329 is going to be June 7th, 2021 at 646 p.m. So that's approximately two minutes of log entries, correct? Yes, or a little bit less than two minutes. Well, lines 325 and 326 and 327, what kind of entries are those? 325, 326, and 327 are location data entries into the cached SQLite database. Uh, and we see some numbers at the top there. I see a 32.83 and a, some other numbers and a minus 81.05, some other numbers. What do those numbers 
they are latitude and longitude numbers. And we see three entries within almost seconds, correct? Yes, sir. So uh, what does that tell you, generally speaking, about Paul's phone and his settings on whether they, his phone will record location data frequently or not? It's recording it much more frequently, and every few seconds it's grabbing this information to this database. Okay. So is Paul's phone as locked down as Maggie's in comparison in regards to location? It appears that it's collecting more data as far as location information than Maggie's phone did. And then I'm going to direct your attention to line 328 there. And what is that entry? This is an entry from an application usage that shows it was in there, and I believe this application's related to Snapchat. And what, what does it actually say there? It actually says com.toyopagroup dot P-I-C-A-B-O-O. Dot Pickaboo? Yes. Uh, and you research and you research what that means? Yes, sir, I did. And you've discovered what? That it's related to Snapchat. Snapchat usage? Yes, sir. At this moment, Judge Newman calls for a mid-morning break, and so we will bring to a close this episode of Jury Duty, the trial of Alex Murdoch. Please join our next installment as we conclude our look at the direct examination of digital forensics expert Lieutenant Britt Dove. Also, check out the Crime Story podcast, Night Raid, wherever you get your podcasts. And, if you'd like to listen to these episodes early and ad-free, head over to our Jury Duty Crime Story Patreon page. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. You can find more information about this trial on our Jury Duty Crime Story Patreon page or at crimestory.com. Jury Duty is created and produced by Carrie and Tholis. It was co-produced and edited by yours truly, Chris Terracone. Music for this episode was provided by Strike Audio. Thank you for joining us, and we hope you will come back for the next episode of Jury Duty.